0: hey everybody welcome into the back room i'm andy ostroy i am very excited today we have two special guests the first guest is my son sean hello everyone <laughs> he's actually just a witness and then uh, we have anthony scaramucci the mooch so we're gonna try to get to that quickly
1: NBC news has just called it Pat Ryan, the Democrat, has been elected to Congress in a special election from New York's 19th Congressional di- District. He defeats Republican Mark Molinaro.
0: That was very exciting on Tuesday. Those of you who are frequent listeners of this pod know that we had Pat Ryan on a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he pulled out a victory. Wasn't that exciting, Matt? Jen? Yeah,
2: definitely.
0: Local guys, wasn't that exciting
2: for you? <laughs> it, it was all your... you're, you're all because of you, Andy.
0: Well, I was hoping somebody would say that. (laughs) Yes. Pat Ryan, if you're listening, um, it's all because of this podcast that you won. No, it really was exciting because uh, I don't think a lot of people, including Pat Ryan, were expecting to win. And he actually did. And uh, he's going to Congress. District 19, which was vacated, uh, the seat vacated by Antonio, our Lieutenant Governor, Antonio Delgado, uh, remains in Democrat hands. But more impo- most importantly, it's like a kind of a, a bellwether of what might come, right?
2: We certainly hope so. It sounds that way.
0: Yeah. I mean, and interestingly, there's been four special elections since the Kansas abortion referendum. And in each of them, Democrats have either won or picked up a tremendous amount of uh, percentage points. For example, like uh, I think it was Minnesota District One, Trump had won that by 15 points, and uh, Democrats just lost by five. So they're they're narrowing that gap, you know, anywhere from like five to 10 percentage points. And that's you know that's kind of how Biden won. You just shrink that universe of of uh, Republicans and Trumpsters, and, and that's how you win. So that was really exciting, and he's a, a really solid citizen. He's a, he's a smart young guy. And, you know, you look at a guy like that and you wonder, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, is he going to be president? You know, a Democrat, you know, Iraqi war vet, like he's got all the attributes. And so it'll be interesting to see and follow his career in, in Washington. Uh, another race that we were uh, a little vested in here personally was the Florida uh, Democratic gubernatorial primary uh, our friend nikki freed who was on the show a couple weeks before i think pat ryan maybe the week before pat ryan uh unfortunately she lost charlie christ won
2: the andy bump wasn't enough <laughs>
0: andy had no influence on this election um truthfully andy had no influence on either election but if anyone wants to think we did that's fine um and uh so now it's you know let's get behind charlie And I think, you know, we had a sort of a little bit of a debate in terms of, you know, the Charlie versus Nikki thing. And, you know, I guess a lot of Democrats felt he has a much better chance of beating DeSantis in November. And, you know, that's really the ultimate goal. It was very exciting for me because I tweeted some support for Charlie on election night and he retweeted. Like so amidst all the chaos, he was like retweeting my tweet. So. So hopefully we'll have Charlie on the show. Charlie, if you're out there listening, uh, we'll, we'll happily have you come on here and because and, we want to get rid of Ron DeSantis. Um, you know, back in May I tweeted that the conventional wisdom uh, is going to be that, you know, Republicans are going to take the House. And I don't believe in conventional wisdom. I, I think anything that we've seen in the last six years proves that uh, conventional wisdom has been defied in every single case. And we see that again in Kansas. We're seeing that with the special elections. And uh, my opinion—I don't know how you guys feel—but this is Democrats' uh, midterms to lose. November. Ro—November. November. Wow! I like that. Did you make that up? No. <laughs> you should take credit for it because that's what people do—they just lie and say so. Jen Hamoud has just made up an incredible phrase: November. I love that. I'm going to use that. Thank you. And so uh, I was wondering if you were referring to Ro Khanna, Congressman Ro Khanna, who's going to be our, our guest next week, but you're not. No. You're referring to Roe v. Wade.
2: It's all about Roe v. Wade.
0: And I think you're right. Um, yeah, I, I think everything is indicating that, that that's, there's going to be a wave, a, an anti-overturning Roe v. Wade wave roe v wade wave um and that's why conventional wisdom doesn't matter so we'll see uh a couple of interesting things that are taking shape this week uh biden's approval rating is finally increasing uh d- d- doesn't matter whether you look at the reuters ipsos poll gallup yahoo news YouGov; uh he's climbing anywhere from three to five points uh, the highest numbers since may um as 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 they should be climbing because there's been an awful lot of uh, accomplishments in the last few weeks, Maddie, you wanted to say something? Uh,
2: no, I also think that they're actually hitting back hard. We now see that the White House is actually tweeting out uh, attacks, essentially, on the people who are
0: student loan, student right? Yeah, no, I saw with Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah. It's like, hey, you took a hundred and eighty thousand dollars, and then that was forgiven, but For you're bitch about somebody getting ten thousand dollars forgiven. So the and hypocrisy is incredible.
2: Also, t- uh, tagging them as MAGA Republicans in right.
0: every speech. Right, extreme. Uh, what's the thing they say? Extreme MA- MAGAs or extreme
2: MAGA Republicans. Yeah,
0: and so that's that's been great because if you know we, we've got two and a half months left, if he can climb three to five points, you know, in, uh, before the election, that that's going to have significant impact. And then the other thing that's uh, just moving so quickly is this whole. Dockgate thing with Trump, you know, the FBI raid. And and by the way, everyone calls it a raid now. (laughs) So uh, you heard it here first. I I wondered why we couldn't call it a raid. Um, It was a raid, a nice raid.
2: Not all raids are bad. No, I mean,
0: it was a friendly raid, but it was a raid. Anytime someone busts in your house and takes your shit, it's a raid. Whether they knock on the door or, you know.
2: Especially if there's dozens of them. Yes.
0: (laughs) So the raid. And all that comes with it. So I just want to break it down very, very quickly. Here's what we now know. He took about 300 classified documents, 700 pages. It was about two dozen boxes. I think they went in at some point and got 15. So there's still boxes that weren't returned. The National Archives, this is what we've learned this week. They've been trying, and this is why this is important, because you have those on the right who are saying, why was there such a rush to go in there to get this search warrant? You know, they wouldn't have done it this quickly with any... Now we're learning it's about 18 months in the making that they've been trying to get this stuff. So it goes back to May 2021 that the National Archives has been trying to get this stuff. This week, we, we saw a letter detailing those efforts, which came out on Monday and was released by one of his Trump's media cronies, John Solomon, who also serves as one of his representatives on the archives. Trump's lawyers also on Monday filed a legal motion asking a Florida federal judge to appoint an independent arbiter, also known as a special master, to sift through the docs to see what's protected by executive privilege of the stuff found during the raid. And this is to show you how crazy Trump is. He actually thinks someone should go through and say, okay, this belongs to Trump. This belongs to the U.S. government. None of it belongs to Trump. None of it. But yet, We see all week that he's been telling his uh, lawyers, like, I want you to get back my documents. Those are mine. He still, no matter what has been going on post-raid, still thinks they're his. This This is the extent of his pathology.
2: And his filing was so poor that even though they filed it in front of a Trump-appointed judge, the judge came back and said, "Uh, what am I supposed to do with this? Right.
0: And so then you have another federal judge who yesterday ruled that part of the underlying affidavit used to justify the search warrant should be publicly released. And I think that's going to be released today after this is, is, is recorded. And we're probably going to find a lot of incriminating stuff in that affidavit, which
2: uh, I'm, I'm going to have to disagree. I think it's going to be a giant waste of black toner. Well, that may be the case,
0: but there is no logical reason why Trump and his l- legal team should want this thing released because it's, it's, if anything is shown, it's, it's not going to be good for him. They want it
2: released because they know nothing will come out of it, but they can keep claiming that there's something in there that'll exonerate him.
0: You're a wise man, Maddie. Sean, what do you think about this? Any opinion? No comment. <laughs> That's my boy. So look, at the end of the day, there's been a lot of deflection from the right, a lot of just bullshit being spread. Joe Biden was involved. Uh, Why did it take DOJ so long? Blah, 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 blah. Here's what matters. People, this is the only thing that matters, whether you're a Democrat or Republican or an independent. Donald Trump took top secret, highly sensitive, classified documents. The release of those, the sale of those, whatever he was planning to do with it, presents a national security threat. This is according to our experts and our our intelligence officials, law law enforcement. It puts our soldiers at risk, our intelligence community officials at risk, informants, etc., etc. He was asked to return these documents for over a year, about a year and a half. He didn't. He keeps referring to them as mine. And that's why there was a raid. He committed a crime there was no planting of evidence and it doesn't matter what biden knew when he knew it or how long it took the fbi to get there a crime is a crime and that's what we're dealing with right now and speaking of crimes it the the drama continues in fulton county georgia where district attorney Fannie willis she wants this. She wants his guts on a silver platter, and so now she's subpoenaing uh, former chief of staff Mark Meadows and one of, uh, I guess, the Kraken, Sidney Powell. Uh, they're going to testify, and this is—I I keep saying it. This is where he's going to go down. Georgia is where he's going down. This woman is. She is on a mission, and uh, the walls are closing in. Right? Don't you feel that? Don't you feel like the walls are literally closing in around him?
2: Yeah, I think the recording uh, with Rothenberger is really damning. You know, I won 11,000 whatever, 730 votes. That's all I need, whatever the number was. And then
0: what Giuliani did, lying to the state legislature. Like, the day that Giuliani gets indicted is the day Giuliani's going to flip. You don't agree?
2: I'm not sure if he'll ever flip. I'm not sure. Andrew Kurtzman... um, who is a political reporter, just wrote a book about Giuliani. I plan to read very shortly, and I think it'll explain why he's gone insane, from what I understand.
0: Yeah, he's definitely gone insane, but I don't think he's crazy enough to go to jail for Donald Trump. Probably insane he's not.
2: Probably not. There is a new theory as to why he's gone crazy, and it's basically because he's in so much debt, and the only way he was going to get paid by Trump was to win this case. And he could never go back on the crazy because he mm-hmm. was never going to get the millions because apparently he has extremely expensive taste in fountain pens among other things.
0: <laughs> well, there's a lot of people who think he will flip, and and that's the moment where Trump turns on probably his most loyal confidant, confidant, and th- it's going to get interesting if th- if that happens. Sean, what do you think? Do you think going to flip? No comment. My son.
2: He's taking the fifth.
0: Six years of college, I paid for that. <laughs> Way more than the six years. <laughs> oh, are we including boarding school in that? Bo- boarding school. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, we got to end on, on this portion of the pod on a high note, a funny note. Uh, I just want to play a clip for you guys.
2: What I can tell you is
0: that the FBI, the dogs, right? The dogs, they broke into my home, and now
1: they say there's espionage. I'm James Bond, shaking that stirred. They're nasty.
0: That's not Donald Trump. That's a young guy named Matt Friend, and he's blowing up the Internet and Twitter. He does not just Donald Trump, but he does Mitch McConnell, Ted Cruz, his... Ron DeSantis is off the... It's better than Ron DeSantis. He's more Ron DeSantis than Ron DeSantis, if that's possible. He is so good. I mean, I've dabbled in impressions. It's one of my dreams is to like be an impressionist. I'm always trying. For some strange reason, I can't do that kind of Trump. I just can't. But this kid is so good and he's putting out this stuff every day. He's doing... Like anything that happens, he does it. He, he comments in Trump's voice, so um we uh we're gonna we're gonna try to have him on the show because that would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. But he's really talented, so
2: he could we- replace half a dozen guests. <laughs>
0: he could, and then I get to say I'm interviewing Donald Trump, which I will shamelessly do and present it as fact. So because you know here at the back room we're all about lies and deception. It's time to get to our guest. I'm very, very excited to bring him on. Anthony Scaramucci is the founder and managing partner of global investment firm Skybridge. He's also founder and chairman of SALT, a global thought leadership forum and venture studio. In 2022, he was ranked number 47 in Cointelegraph's Top 100 Influencers in Crypto and Blockchain. And in 2016, he was ranked 85 in Worth Magazine's 100 Most Powerful People in Global Finance. He's a member of the Council on Foreign Relations and a board member of the Federal Enforcement Homeland Security Foundation. That sounds really important, by the way. And he's the author of five books. But I suspect he's best known for the 11 roller coaster days he served in the Trump White House as communications director after serving on Trump's finance committee and then on his presidential transition team. Anthony, welcome
1: into the back room. It's good to be here. Uh, the back room is really sort of the front front room, though, Andy. But I I like being here. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks
0: again. It's a, it's a it's an honor and a pleasure to have you here. Um, so I want to get a couple of uh, quick fun things out of the way first. Uh, Mooch, do you like being called Mooch?
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, it never it never bothered me. I mean, when I was in the White House, I guess. Uh, Uh, The detractors of Trump or me—they—they thought it was like a bad thing to call me. So they were, oh, mooch, mooch, mooch. But you know, I've been called mooch since 1972. It's the third syllable of my last name. Uh, You want to talk about tough? I had a tough German phys ed teacher 50 years ago in the second grade. He didn't like multiple syllable ethnic last names. So every person, whether it was a Kryeski a Santa Macoro, a Scaramucci. We all got one syllable. You know, I'm lucky that mine was Mooch. I mean, he was calling some other people gay and all kinds of shit. You know, who who the hell knows, you know? And so, and so uh, how do you feel about like you're your being
0: sort of the urban dictionary guy? Like you're like the verb and the past participle, like, you know, someone's like, don't, you know, you better be careful. She might scaramouche you, like in terms of
1: your 11
0: days in the White House or being Scaramucci. You
1: know, as, as, as long as it's accurate reporting, you know, like I don't like the fake news of 10 days, right? People don't do the math right. If you, if you got hired on the 21st of July and you're fired on the 31st, Andy, count the days. It's actually 11 days. You know, I was there for for two Mondays. Right. You see what I mean? Yeah. Well, so that's, anyway, uh, but, you know, I'm sure it felt like a lifetime. I, I don't, I don't mind it at all. In fact, I think what happens in life, people have to recognize is that life is rough. If you're taking a risk in life and I've taken substantial risks in mine, it's rough and tumble. Sometimes things do not go well or as anticipated. Yeah. Uh, it was, a, it was a learning experience of my lifetime. A seminal moment. I wouldn't replace it. I flew on Air Force One three times. I worked in the West Wing, sat in the Oval Office, the president's study. I've seen the upstairs of the uh, president's residence. Um, you know, I was trying to do my job the best of my capability. I made a mistake uh, uh, my mistake uh, was about Steve Bannon. You may remember the comment I made about him. I thought he was a very, evil one of my favorite quotes of all time, by the way, yeah, <laughs> he was a, he was an evil and malevolent person. And so as general Kelly said to me, I guess Jared Kushner in his book now is taking credit for getting Steve fired. He certainly deserves a portion of that credit, but I sat down with Trump and showed him what Bannon was doing to him. And, uh, and so to me, the fact that Steve got fired on the same day that I did as a result of what we explained to Mr. Trump he was doing, uh, I think in a lot lot of parts, it helped the country. Because if Trump and Bannon were together during a global pandemic in the United States uh, calendar year 2020, that would have been a nightmare for America and the world. Yeah. So so I you know, I well, want to I'm ask you, because I,
0: I agree with you that everybody makes mistakes for sure. And so- what what I'm sort of fascinated by is the why or the how. How do people make mistakes? So, for example, back in, let's call it 2015 or 16, by all accounts, from an outside observer, you, you had a great life. Wealthy guy, successful, highly respected. Um, you also had an interesting political past. You supported Hillary and Obama. You're, uh, unless I'm reading wrong information, you're... Uh, you supported gun reform, gay marriage, pretty liberal in your in your social uh, opinions. Uh, then in two thousand twelve, kind of got behind Romney, very milk toasty guy, not going to threaten anyone, solid citizen, even though I don't agree with a lot of his policies. Uh, you started, you know, uh, criticizing Trump. Um, you, left, you left that Jeb. No, no, I'm, jab. Getting jab. I'm getting the Jeb. I'm no, getting the Jeb. And then okay. in the uh, in yep. the primary, uh, you first. I think it first endorsed Scott Walker, and then and then Jeb, um, and all of that's you know just really normal stuff. But then what I what I want to know, and I think a lot of people would want to know, is you like you, you were sitting on a yacht in the lap of success and luxury, and and then the Trump Tannic cruises by, and 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 in that moment you were like, I got to get on that thing. And that's the thing I think people don't understand or are curious about is like. What made you think that 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 was a good thing to do? What was going through your mind in that moment? Why did you want to do that?
1: So, I mean, these are these first of all, these are great questions. Um, I think what happens sometimes in life, you make gradual decisions. And so, you know, the frog, if you've got a boiling pot of water and you take the frog and throw the frog into the water, he'll skip off the top of the water. But if he's in the bottom of the, uh, cauldron and it's cold water and you heat it slowly you'll kill the frog you see what i mean so what happens is you make a series of gradual decisions so gradual decision number one is jeb is out of the race he will not endorse trump even though he signed the pledge to do so he won't endorse him um and i'm one of his senior finance people i'm getting pressure from the party to support Trump and to use the mechanisms that I had in place to help him raise money. I had known Trump for 20 years. Uh, we had gotten along. Um, you know, No one's friends with Donald Trump. Anybody that tells you that they're friends with Donald Trump doesn't understand the relationship. We had gotten along. He wasn't my first or second choice, frankly. Probably wouldn't even have been my third choice to run. So gradual decision number one was, okay, I am a longstanding citizen of the Republican Party. To your earlier point, the establishment Portion of the Republican Party, the Jeb Bush, Mitt Romney party, um, and I am liberal. With my social views, which I've always uh, expound upon, I've never changed or deviated from any of those. It was actually an incident in the uh, in my uh, time in the White House where Trump, and this happened in July of 2017. He wanted to reverse the the transgender decision making, the medical stuff related to. The, Pentagon. I said, mm-hmm. geez, I'm totally against that. You can't do that. So so anyway, gradual decision number one was okay to support the party, to support uh, what we're all doing. I will support Donald Trump. He'll likely lose to Hillary Clinton. So I did do that. Um, I did provide some media advocacy, but go back and look, it was always balanced media advocacy. Um, I think a seminal moment for me though, and should be a seminal moment for the country is Trump did identify something Uh, about what is going on in the country. There's a good 20% of the people, Andy, that have disaffected from our social contract and from the American experiment. They don't like the way the country's going. You know, we, we had an aspirational working class. I grew up in that aspirational working class. My father was a crane operator, hourly worker. I was able to go from that home to the Harvard Law School out the door to Goldman Sachs to successful hedge fund uh, management investing. That is a seminal American dream story. We have very few of those now. Mm -hmm. Um, When I traveled with Donald Trump, 71 campaign stops. I saw a blighted country. I saw a hollowed out country. I saw factories that were closed down. One guy said to me, yeah, you think you're in New Mexico? You're not in New Mexico. New New Mexico, that would be Mexico. Because that's where the factory that I and my father used to work in is now there. Mm-hmm. So Trump was on to something. We want to be balanced about Trump. Uh, he's a malevolent guy, no question. Uh, but he was on to something about the distress that's in the country. Our political leadership is not handling it, not addressing it, and a result of which it's creating havoc in the country. Now, um, so I was drawn to that because of my middle class upbringing. So when Trump won, which we didn't think was going to happen, Bannon didn't think so. Trump didn't think so. Mm -hmm. I was with Donald Trump at 6 p.m. on election night 2016. He was fueling his plane, getting ready to go to Scotland. He he, he literally said, let her have her day in the sun. I'm going to go play golf at my new resort and get my life started again. Uh, When he won the presidency, I think it was a shocker for him. Shocker for us. It certainly was a shock
0: for me, by the way.
1: Yeah. My wife didn't want me to go work for him. She probably hates him as much as Melania. Trump hates him, or at least <laughs> close enough. Uh, we almost got divorced over the situation. Um, but then the colossal mistake, cause you're asking me honest questions. I want to answer them honestly. The, con- the colossal mistake for me was one of ego and pride. So, um, the president put me on his executive transition team. I'd worked with Jim Mattis, general Kelly, uh, all these guys that try to build his, uh, cabinet. Uh, they were all reasonable guys. Rick Tillerson is a very reasonable guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we went to work to try to help him. Uh, he was in over his head. Uh, in the beginning, he was listening. Um, as, when he got to the presidency, I think the viciousness of the attacks, not well suited for that personality wise, he reverted to something that was smaller than the presidency, smaller minded than the presidency. Um, but you know, look, we got it, we got it wrong, but my colossal mistake, I made a series of small mistakes, but my colossal mistake was making a decision to go work in the white house. Um, and what happened to me was I was, the president asked me to go on the executive transition team. I said yes to that, but I thought it'd help them. I wanted to stay with my job. The president then asked me to be the OPL director, which was the chief networking officer inside the white house office of public liaison. Uh, my wife told me not to take that. But my ego told me to take that. Why? We, we well, should like, bring well, her in. If she's around, we should bring her in.
0: I think she yeah. have a lot of good stories to tell. I'm kidding. That's up to you.
1: No, but she's a straight up, very honest, down to earth person. No, she's not here right now. Otherwise, I would bring her in, frankly. Straight up, very honest, down to earth person. She didn't want me to work for him. She thought he was a bad guy. And she thought that he would hurt our family and hurt the country. And she didn't like him. Okay. So and she was right. I got a lot wrong. But these were mistakes of ego and pride. So mm-hmm. you've got a lot of listeners and viewers. They should really listen to what I'm saying. Take your pride and your ego out of your decision making. You'll make better decisions. But I was like, okay, you know what? Here's my self-narrative. I'm a blue-collar kid. with the Tufts and Harvard. I paid off all my school debt. I built two successful businesses. Now I have the chance to work for the American president and work in Washington. I'm going to go do that. Okay, well, the American president is batshit crazy, and he's going to do bad things for the country. Oh, no, 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 no. Not on my watch. You see see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's totally understandable. that's, That's all ego, and that's all pride decisions. Well, it gets worse for me. The story gets worse for me, not better. So, Reince Priebus and Steve Bannon did not like me. They but by the like way, Re- uh,
0: Priebus, is—I I read that you had a nickname for him. Is—is is it true? The one I read, where you yeah, called no, him R- and Penis. 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 He was—he
1: was. He was see, it's a good see, one, so the by the way. Priebus, see, the thing about Priebus, you know, at least Bannon is an upfront bad dude. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. you know, the good Lord saved us because they made Bannon so ugly, right? He's a charismatic guy. He's very well-read, but he looks like a hobo, okay? And he dresses like a hobo. So that, thank God the civilization That's an saved. insult to
0: hobos, by the way.
1: Yeah, yeah you're, you're right. But Priebus is a totally different guy. Priebus would take your eyeball out, Andy, and he would put it in his dirty martini glass with a spear. <laughs> While you're bleeding across the table, he would still be talking to you like nothing happened. You see, see what I'm saying? He was the kind of liar that used the whole, you know, Kenosha, we used to call it the Kenosha Nostra, which is a, a Wisconsin mafia. You know, he would come at you with this, like, Midwestern charm. Well, didn't you call him valley. a, uh,
0: like, a fucking Sith Lord behind your back? Like, isn't isn't that what you yeah. refer to him as? Like, for the, the yeah, bad yeah, dudes yeah, from Star you Wars? See, that was the other
1: thing. So, talk about mistakes, right, I was talking to, the journalist I was talking to uh, his dad had a 50-year relationship with my father. He was an Italian-American from my local area. Our families had no- known each other for 50 years. Uh, the two of us had known each other for 20. And i people think I was drunk or something like that. I don't even drink. I was on the phone talking to him. Imagine one of your buddies from high school where you thought you were having a relaxed moment and you were saying some joking things to them. And then the guy recorded the stuff and ran to CNN with it to get me fired, right? And I said to the guy, I said, "Well, you know, you're going to do that. We'll never talk again. You know, it's very transactional right. of you. Our families know each other for 50 right. years. Uh, if you do that, I will get fired." He did that. I got fired, but I didn't blame him. I blame myself. Yeah. I made a mistake in judgment. I trusted somebody that I shouldn't have trusted. I never once blamed anybody but myself for my firing, not the president. Uh, He deserved better than that conversation that was recorded and taped on CNN. Whether you like Trump or not, he did not deserve that from Mm -hmm. his communications director, not General Kelly, who's a close personal friend of mine. Uh, And I I didn't take it personally that he was firing me. I understood why I was being fired. I took it. And Andy, I tried to stay loyal to the president, okay? I, I said, okay. He's not my guy he's not doing everything that i like i'm a republican let me try to stay loyal to him accept my firing like a man and move on but he kept moving the goalposts on america yeah i I think what's important to note and i want to point this out
0: because the the reason i like you and respect you is that and, and i think this holds true for a lot of people is that with anthony scaramucci you what you see is what you get. you are you know, you and I are have a, are a lot in common. I mean, my father was a New York City cab driver. I grew up you know uh, lower middle I class read that about you yeah, so mm-hmm. you know, I paid for my own college, I went to city schools. so and I appreciate people who who come up that same way. and so but I also respect how you talk. you you are honest, you are genuine. I, I think when people are that way, that's when they sometimes do get into trouble. And, and people in Washington are typically not honest, so they often don't get into trouble because
1: they just know they how to avoid reality. A, yeah, they have an allergy to the truth. You know, when I, when I got done, it wouldn't be fair to tell you the name of the person, but a very well-known person. When I did the White House press conference on July 21st, 2017, uh, apparently seen by tens of millions of people, I don't know, but I was there at the par- press podium. I answered the questions. When I got done, that's lower press, the Brady room. You have to go back upstairs to the Oval Office. My cell phone was ringing. And it was a very well-known Republican. I picked up the phone. I said, hello. And he said to me, are you crazy? And I said, what do you mean, sir? He says, you can't talk like that from the White House. He said, I got people calling me from Capitol Hill saying, who the hell is this guy? Get him out of here. You can't answer the questions honestly right. from the press podium. And so we, we you got people... This was a guy that was in charge of opposition research for the Republican Party where there were operatives up on the hill saying what do you got on this guy meaning me let's get this guy out of here let's see if we can dig up a bad story about him and get him out of here now of course they didn't have to do that i blew myself up with the conversation yeah. that i had right see but i look with i, I look at your making, your
0: history there is no, that, like that, you're you're a normal guy who got caught up in a in a dumpster fire and unlike what you're saying, which is in terms of lacking the, you know, the the will to deceive or lie, which is what most people do, you were just being you and being you is what got you yeah. into trouble. But the point I really want to make ultimately is that that's not a bad thing because his, hindsight is a beautiful thing, right? You can look at where you are today, where you are yep. today, not where you were in 17 or after 11 days but where you are today you know after being criticized by kelly as being undisciplined blah 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 i mean i went back and read your communications memo okay you're actually a pretty disciplined guy you're actually a pretty smart guy and they should have listened to that plan all of those points because if they did they and Trump would not be in the kind of situation they were for years and are well, now. But well, so you've been redeemed. Like you could sit here today
2: and well, say, nice I'm,
0: to say, I'm looking pretty golden now compared to what they said about me or what the media said about me, you know,
1: five years ago. No, and I that's important to idiot. point it's out. Nice. Well, it's very sweet of you. It's nicey to say, but here's the thing that you have to accept when you go into politics. Um, if you get a if, if I'm, if I'm playing for the Patriots, I'm a wide receiver and Tom Brady is throwing me a pass and I miss the pass and I get clocked by the free safety. My helmet gets thrown off and I have a massive concussion. I can't blame anybody. I, can't, I went onto the field, tried to catch the pass. I got the concussion. When you go into American politics at that level mm-hmm. and you get chopped up the way I did, you don't blame anybody. Say, hey, look, I had a bad moment, got chopped up. I'm a very big boy. That happens. I put the uniform on. I put the helmet on. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing that I would say to people. If something is really rotten and really wrong, you better speak out about it. Okay. And I had to speak out about it. And I had to in August of 2019 uh, when Donald Trump had his highest approval numbers. Okay. Go back and look. August of 2019, his highest approval numbers, the economy was booming, the consensus was he was winning re-election. I said, something's wrong here. The guy is nuts. They should probably not even nominate him for the presidency again because of the way he's handling himself. Mm -hmm. I got calls from Mattis and Kelly and McMaster, all praising me for being that honest. And then Trump hit me on Twitter. And of course, I hit him back. I think I called him the. I know all Trump's hot buttons, by the way. So I think I called him the fattest president since <laughs> William Howard Taft that sent him into orbit. But he's the healthiest. And I, yeah. And then he fired at me again. And I know all his hot buttons. I think it's geez, you know, you're getting old. I mean, that's not even a good fastball response because I know every one of Trump's hot buttons. Then he flipped out and he started bashing me. Then he realized, man, I better stop bashing him because he kept raising my profile. My, my Twitter following went from like a half a million to a million as Trump was bashing me. So then he stopped bashing me. Right. But I'm going to tell you something about life. The firing put me in a position where I could speak to the American people about what was going on. Now, let me say something to you. And I think your viewers and listeners hopefully will appreciate this. The dilemma that Trump identified, we are still dealing with. He is the wrong messenger for that movement he is the wrong policymaker to cure those ills that the american people have but andy whether you're from the right or the left we need practical policies to help those people well you're okay. uh, this is a good and
0: transition because i did want to leave trump and that's and the leave me- the past
1: that's my me- that's get- my message but i think you're asking very good questions and I hopefully feel I've answered them as honestly as I can. I did make mistakes, mm-hmm. but it was the learning experience of my life. I was able to go back and repair my marriage. Uh, I've obviously gone back and rebuilt my company. Um, but I'm also and I'm out of politics right at this moment. if Trump is running again, if they don't they don't prosecute him and he's running again, I will have to drop everything I'm doing like other Concerned citizens of the United States, and I will have to go out there and speak out against it. But
0: Where do you think things are, are headed now? Let's let's shift to the current, um, the 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 J six committee. What's happening in Georgia? Uh, the FBI raid. Like, do do you see the walls closing in on Trump? Do you think it's leading to an indictment? Do you think he's actually going to run again? I don't.
1: I don't. I don't. I don't know the first part because. He seems to get away with everything, okay? He's got truth social $1.6 million of payments to the technological server farms. He hasn't paid yet, okay? He has something happen to him. He goes out and raises money from all these rubes around the country, giving them 50 to $100, and he's laughing. You know, he raised three or $400 million. He was joking with his friends in Mar-a-Lago that I've made more money off of rubes, believing my election lie. Uh, than I did from reality television or from real estate. So, so I, I I don't understand how at age 76 he perpetually and continually gets away with every single thing that he's been able to do. So, so it, you know the the precedent would dictate that nothing's going to happen to him. Okay, and so if nothing happens to him, is he running again? Well, I think that's obvious. I think he has to run again because uh, that offers him further prosecutorial protection. Also, it keeps his name in the limelight. Remember, Trump is driven by two things. He's a uh, he's prehistoric. He has a uh, reptilian mind. He's he's th- he's it's money, and then a very close second to money is attention. And so both of those things fit the rubric of running for president because he can raise money off these rubes, as you know. Then he can hire all of his family members and pay them and do all the different things that he does. You follow? You follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think
0: I, I think uh, you're 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 spot on when you say he's gotten away with everything so far. I do think it's a lot different this time, and I do think Georgia, in particular, uh, which is so finite and and the evidence is so clear, uh, that's where he's he's probably going to go down uh but that's just me and i understand you know uh why people feel like you know this guy's just gonna keep getting away with with all the shit that he does what do you think of his um his little mini me desantis
1: well you know i he's a politician you know so i knew ron when i was at fox and he used to come on as a house of representatives member he's a very smart guy he's uh People underestimate him because he has that Trumpish, like nonsense about his personality. But he's a very data-driven, very smart guy. <laughs> he got a lot of things right during the pandemic. Um, ultimately, I think we're going to look back and say we probably overclosed things and we we overdid it in the pandemic because we didn't really fully understand the disease. I'm not saying that that's bad or not. I mean, people make mistakes. I mean, but I, I think he handled it reasonably well. But what I don't like about him is the bullying. We don't need a president that is a bully. OK, Trump has a very small penis. So he's a hyper masculine. I call him driver. a micro dick. Yeah, 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 he's really trying to overcompensate. for the, All that hyper masculinity, you know, uh, is a, is is what all of that is about. Have you right? seen and it, you by the way? That, I just
0: I'm curious. Have you actually I, seen I, it or I you just heard but, about but, it?
1: But <laughs> no, but I haven't. But Stormy has. I have to ask. No, I was on the I was on the Bill Moore, Bill, Bill Maher show, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, she told me that it's like you know Folcapiche <laughs> you know, which is like Schmeckle <laughs> in Italian, and you know, and I got that. And You could reverse engineer his whole personality into that, right? So it's all hyper masculinity and overcompensation. Right. Okay. The president of the United States needs to be tough. Uh, no question about that. You're going up against some real bad adversaries you got to be tough. You have to be fearless. But the president of the United States, because of the American experiment and because of the collective society that we have, this polyglot society, needs to be kind. Mm -hmm. You can be tough and you can be firm and you can be somebody that you don't want to go to war with. But you need to be benevolent and you need to be kind. Right. DeSantis doesn't have that. Right. So, well, a lot of the party does.
0: The party doesn't have it. I mean, I was going to ask no, you: Do you party, think the GOP is, de- the party, is is it broken? Is it dead? The Republican party? The
1: party? Well, 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 the party is certainly broken. The question is: Can the party heal itself and come back from where it is? And I don't know the answer to that. Maybe you know somebody like a Francis Suarez, uh, somebody somebody that's more uh, patriotic. Less symbolic, less wants to fight the culture war. See what Desantis did in Florida was totally expedient. He said, "Okay, the no gay, don't say gay thing. If I'm the if I'm the CEO of Disney, of course I have to speak out against that. I have a lot of the gay community in my employment base, and so I have to speak out against that. If Desantis was a gentleman and a real guy, he would have invited the CEO of the Disney to the state house and had lunch with him." And he would have said, listen, that's his point of view. I respect it. We have a free society, free speech. I represent this point of view. He represents that point of view. That's my point of view. Let's move on. But he didn't do that. He wanted to punish Disney. He wanted to use the powers that he was bestowed from the people, the state powers to punish Disney. Okay, and that's a sign of proto-fascism. You see that? And so that is not a good thing for America. And so Ron DeSantis should not be president. He is disqualifying, in my mind, to be president because of that nonsense. That's too Trumpian for me. But now if you talk to the MAGA people, the right wing of the Republican Party, oh, we love that. He gave it to them. And Fox News loves that. It's a culture war. You know, we're going to have a war on Christmas starting October 15th again on Fox. War on Christmas. No war on Christmas, but we're going to have one because that'll that'll ignite all of the people about the war on Christmas. We don't have a war on Christmas, but let's have it on Fox so that we can do this nonsense with each other. You know, to me, the first name of the country is United. Last time I checked, uh, that is not symbolic to me. That is real. Black, white, sexual orientation is different than mine. Let's find our commonality and let's get it together to save the country, make the country better for the next generation of people, as opposed to the nonsense that we're doing right now, where we're in this tribal society, identity Mm -hmm. politics.
0: Very um, toxic.
1: You know, the gerrymandering. So let me ask you this. Are you in a real democracy if the candidates can pick the voters? I thought the voters are supposed to pick the candidates, but, but now the candidates pick the voters. They well, sit it's, down a, it's a and,
0: weird you're... version of a representative democracy, and 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 you're right. But uh, before I let you go in a few minutes, I just want to ask you about stuff I know you love, which is finance and the economy and um, recession. Is that is that in the rearview window at this point? That we don't have to worry about that anymore.
1: I think you're going to have a shallow recession. I, I I you know it's it's hard to fully assess it. You have an inflation war that's going to go on right now. It's necessary to have one. So the Fed is sort of taking the punch bowl away from the markets. The markets are down, reflecting that decision to remove liquidity. Uh, I think that's going to slow down spending for people. Um, So yes, you'll have a shallow recession. You have a lot of savings as a result of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So people will start to deploy their savings. Um, You have more people... um, that, you know, the unemployment numbers, you have more jobs available than people looking for jobs. So that's a good sign. Uh, I think this is temporary. I think we're going to be booming by 2024 as an economy. Uh, There are too many great things going on uh, from a technological point of view, too many great things going on in the economy. And so I think we're going to be booming. And lots of that technology, Andy, is very deflationary. Mm -hmm. So the inflation, I think think people are going to be surprised. We're going to be out here, 18 months, the inflation numbers are going to be down, the economy's booming. The question is, is it booming fairly? Are the rich going to get richer and the poor going to continue to suffer? That's the question. And for me, I am a Republican, no question about that on certain issues. I'm probably a Democrat or a libertarian on other issues. Mm -hmm. But what I would say to my fellow Americans, I would say, you don't want equal outcomes. You don't want that because people like me or you who came from our parents, you want those people to do better based on their work and industry. So you don't want equal outcomes, but you do need a platform, a broader platform of equal opportunity. Mm -hmm. You do need that. And we don't have that. We have an uneven race. John Edwards, two
0: Americas. I mean, he was right. That was way back when, right? he,
1: he, he, He was right. And we didn't address it. Okay, so whatever his shortcomings are as a person, he was right. Mm-hmm. So we're not we're not addressing it. Okay, we were addressing it. There's a great book, uh, and by the way, Bernie Sanders actually touts this book. It's called American Amnesia, and it's a great book. Okay, and it's about the hybrid model of the government working alongside of the private sector to bolster the middle class on the Henry Ford idea that hey, if you're building a car in my factory, I need to pay you enough money so that you can afford the car that you're making. Okay, and Henry Ford once said to Thomas Edison, I'm gonna make sure that these people that are building these cars can make enough money in that factory to own that car and to live in a small house. Why? Well, I don't want them coming after me with pitchforks and tiki torches at my Dearborn, Michigan mansion while I'm eating my caviar. Right. So if they're happy, and they've got a good public school system, you know they're not gonna come after me, you see what I mean? And it's plain spoken, right. but the point I'm making, the United States needs to go back to a noblesse, obliged society, where the rich people, the wealthy people are like, okay, what am I gonna do to help these other people? Okay, That's why these Republicans, the Pell Grant debt forgiveness. We can debate the issue. There's some hair on the issue. I'm not saying that the issue's perfect. But then what are you guys doing with the PPP? You right. all took the PPP. Mm-hmm. You know, Andy, I got offered $1.2 million of PPP. I'm a hedge fund manager, and I got some really fancy fucking cars. Okay. Do <laughs> you want me to take the $1.2 from the government and get the forgivable loan? I think I'll look like a horse's ass. I thought it was unpatriotic for me to do that. Now, Jared Kushner took it. You could name hundreds of other people that took it, but I didn't take it. And I'm not saying that that makes me moral or I'm not being sanctimonious about it. I just, it didn't feel right to me to take it. Okay. So these guys took the loan. They're in the Congress. They got the loan forgiven. And then they go out and rail against the kid whose family's making less than $60,000 a year. They forgave $10,000. Mm, $10,000, for
0: right. Okay. So Well, but, so but that's, that's me, the, the that's, standard that's, hypocrisy. That's, that's no different than any but, other but
1: thing they, they do. But but, but the hypocrisy is accepted by the apathetic moderates right. because 50% of the voters are not voting, Andy. So the apathetic moderates are saying, this guy, Matt Gates is an asshole. I'm going to ignore him, and I'm going to go back to work. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, we, we got nuts you, on the left. You got nuts on the left. I'm not saying you don't. You got these radical, everything's woke. We got to cancel everything. Think about how screwed up the society is now. We got the Democrats want to cancel the police. They want to defund the police. The Republicans want to defund the, the FBI. FBI. Right.
0: It makes no I mean, sense. And everybody's like, yeah. It's like when the Democrats say defund the, the, the police, they're like, communists, fascists, what's wrong with you? And then and then they go out and say defund the FBI. And everybody's like, yeah, great idea. How does that work? How does that kind of hypocrisy work? Maybe it's like you say, it's just apathetic, ignorant people who are so toxically tribal that it, they have no core. So when someone else does something they don't like, it's bad. When one of their guys does it, it's okay. That, as long as we have that, this country is fucked, in my opinion. Uh, I want to ask you about Bitcoin. And I'm sitting here we can, with my- we can,
1: un, we can unfuck it, though. We can actually unfuck it. Unfuck it. I unfuck love unfuck that it, term, by you the gotta, way. You got to force people into the game. You got to force people into the pool, you know, like, so for me, I'm in, you know, I got in accidentally, you know, we didn't talk about this. How did I get into politics? Andy, I had no money. I was at Goldman Sachs. I was in the private banking area. I had no connections. So I'd never been to a country club, never hit a golf ball or or swung a tennis racket. So I said, okay, I'm going to go raise money for politicians because wealthy people show up at those events. I wrote a two hundred and fifty dollar check in nineteen eighty nine to Rudy Giuliani. He was running for mayor. And I started meeting people. So I got into politics because it was good for my business. Mm-hmm. And Which then I is- accidentally went I accidentally went over the transom and ended up inside the White House. So now I'm in. You know, it's like Michael Corleone. I can't even get out if I wanted to. So so I'm in. But let's talk to the American people very honestly and let's get to the root of our problems and forget about a left or right solution. How about a right or wrong solution? Yeah, you know I, I agree with you and I,
0: and I just don't know if we're gonna get there. I think should, the country is people so messed be discriminated up right
1: against. You know, Should gay people be discriminated against? We know right, right or wrong, we know the answer to that. You know, And even these guys that love Jesus, and I'm a Roman Catholic, practicing Catholic, okay, but you don't act like Jesus. You love Jesus, but you don't act like I Jesus. I can tell you
0: that every time someone comes after me on Twitter in the most vile, disgusting, expletive, deletive as yeah, Christian way, says Christian, I, I go to the their way. bio, and the first thing is right. Christian. It's right. how does that work? But anyway, I, I know you got to run. So I just want to ask you one more thing about. Uh, I want to ask you about yeah. crypto because I'm sitting here with my my newly married son, Sean. Uh, who's a, yeah. who's checking this out today, and uh, he dabbles a little bit, but I don't. I, I, there's a part of me that thinks it's all just like smoke and mirrors. Am I an idiot for not being in crypto?
1: Well, I, I don't want to say that you're an idiot. I, I, I think that you're in a generation of people that would have an obvious skepticism towards this type of new technology. I think if you learn more about it, and you did the homework on it, I think you would be forced into it. And so your son has probably done the homework on it, or your son-in-law. Have you done um, the homework, son? Um, I did, and, yes. and, <laughs> and so your son is looking at it saying, okay, this is a massive de mechanism. This is a massive technology for de So there's going to be a group of young entrepreneurs that are going to build applications in tech to – utilize this. And so a couple of quick examples for your listeners and viewers, if I'm at the restaurant and I can send directly from my wallet on my phone to the restaurant's wallet, the money associated with the meal, and we've just now both avoided the 3% charge from American Express or Visa, that's very valuable to an economy. Okay, You just disintermediated, you took out middlemen and women. So if I was in an elevator with you and you said, well, explain the blockchain to me, I would say it's a massive delayering mechanism. My One of my mentors, Bill Miller, who's got a, over a billion dollars of Bitcoin, and he also owns Amazon, he would say to you, well, this is going to work because it is an airtight technological ledger, as a result of which, because of what we're doing to our money on a fiat basis, we're going to default into these airtight technological ledgers. Okay, so so you're... Your son, I can't see him. He's off camera, but he's shaking his head and he's saying, yeah, I'm right about this. He's he's shaking his head right now. and He's like, this guy's right about this. But the problem is it's so new and it's so early and there have been charlatans. There's been fraud in it. There's been some wreckage. as a I've, result watched, I've
0: watched The Crypto King. Environment.
1: <clears throat> you watch The yeah. Crypto King on Netflix? Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm very well aware of The Crypto King and I'm very aware of the sh- charlatans that are in the space. But if you screen out for that, and you look at where things are and where they're going, yes, you should own Bitcoin and Ethereum. I just wrote a book on Algorand. It's actually a, a uh, thank God, it's a bestseller on Amazon right now. It's wow. called Congrats. Algorand. Um, I have and, no idea what you use, just said, that word. I've yeah, never but even it's heard it. It's called The Genius so Algorand. It, it's one of Algorand. It's one of the better technical protocols. Um, but here's the thing I would say to you, and I would say to your son. I don't want to miss it. And even though it's volatile and it's an early adopting technical asset, I don't want to miss it for my clients or my family. Okay, I wrote a book last year about Bitcoin, and I tried to explain to people what it was and why it is so valuable to the society. And so I believe that. We'll have to see what happens Um, But this is a technological wave that is not going away. And so I tell my clients, 1% to 3% of your money in this. Don't look at it. If I'm right, that 1% to 3% is going to be worth 10 to 30% of your money. You're going to be very, very happy. If I'm wrong, you'll be stuck with $0.99 or $0.97, and that's going to be fine for you. It's okay to get something wrong like this, but I don't think I'm wrong, sir. I don't think I'm wrong, but I might be. I've been humbled by life. I've been humbled by markets. So, but I've done enough homework on this. And I'm sure your son has as well, where he's looking at this saying, yeah, this is going to work. And he knows kids that are working right now to make the economy more efficient, uh, which will be better for the society. You know, the president of El Salvador told me that uh, he believes in the next five years that the expats that send money back to their moms and dads, so expats from El Salvador live in the U.S., sending money back to their moms and dads in El Salvador will save $400 million a year avoiding Western Union and MoneyGram. So these are unbanked people. Mm-hmm. They go to Western Union with the $100 bills. Western Union says, yeah, that's great. I'll send it to your mother, but we're taking 10% of it. Okay, a wallet-to-wallet transfer over the Bitcoin Lightning Network, as that develops, will avoid those charges. Okay that is very powerful for an economy that's very powerful for a world. So it's not just smoke and mirrors there's a technical application here that the world will benefit from as this thing evolves.
0: All right you're doing a good job at convincing me. I don't know if I'll mortgage my house and buy bitcoin but
1: no but let's <clears turn throat> I might to throw your a few shekels here. at <clears> it. Let me go back to the go back to your kid on the camera. Did I say anything you disagreed with? What's his name by the way? Sean.
0: Sean. No everything you said is what I've read and makes perfect sense. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, so again, but I want people to be cautious. I'm not saying throw all your money into it. I'm saying 1% to 3%. You have to own this because you want to be part of the future. The same way if you had asked me about Amazon 20 years ago, I would have said the same thing. Amazon went from 116 to 6. My clients got very mad at me. The ones that stayed patient, they made a tremendous amount of money. The ones that didn't, they got out. Okay. And, and, but, but you either saw it or you didn't see it. Right. And what I would hate to have happen now because of the tech debacle that we've just witnessed, I'd hate to have people feel like they got burnt on a hot stove. And so they're not going to go back into it. I lost clients in 2000 in the tech wreck and a lot of them swore off technology. Well, from 2000 to 2022, that's a generation, 22 years of investing They missed the best investment thesis, Mm -hmm. technology, okay, in the history of the United States. I don't want them to miss this next layer, this next technological wave that's descending upon us.
0: Well, that's sage advice, and I appreciate that. My last question to you, which we ask everybody, and and it's because I believe music is the window into our souls. So I'm going to ask the Mooch, who are your top five of all time? Your artists, top five artists, musical artists all time.
1: Okay, so, um, you know, I'm an eclectic guy, okay? So when you say top musical artist, the first person I think of is Frank Sinatra. I love Frank. Good I would encourage everybody to read the uh, James Kaplan biographies. Uh, I, uh, my daughter sings. She's a soprano accompaniment for Andrea Bocelli. Nice. My course. daughter is an accomplished singer. You can see her at the top of my Twitter feed. Uh, so I would say Andrea Bocelli nice uh but then if you want to go into the heart and soul of who i am you got to go with led zeppelin oh okay right led zeppelin, that's my era okay i would i would recommend bob spitz's book on the biography of led zeppelin oh, because they transformed rock they transformed rock and roll okay Trans a few from hotels too 100 percent. i am from long island okay i am you can Billy cut Joel. my veins Billy Joel uh, so, you, so you gotta say Billy Joel there you go okay <laughs> and then you said the top five okay you two would be number five for me okay no so Beatles. those are my top five no Beatles no oh, I love the Beatles now you're going into six and seven now the Beatles are rolling. of one the Beatles are number yeah well no number one for me is Frank I just gave it to you my order Frank right. Andrea Led Zeppelin Billy Joel you two the Beatles the rolling stone okay All okay right. we don't judge gonna, here gonna, we don't judge here musically uh, okay but i'm going to keep going okay now number 8 and 9 that would be bad company right wow but you you that's... didn't ask me my favorite you didn't ask me my favorite song what is your favorite song my favorite song is baker street from jerry rafferty the saxophone wow. and the solo in <laughs> baker street yeah yeah exactly and that, and that's a song that came out I was, hanging out, I was hanging out in Jones Beach with my high school girlfriends uh, listening to that song on a boombox. Oh, are we the same
0: age? Because I feel like I was in high school then. I'm 60, almost yeah. 63. How old are you?
1: Yeah, so I'm 58. Okay. I was 16 years old when Baker Street came out. Jerry died, by the way, which is,
2: you know, unfortunate. He was a great,
1: great singer. He was a great singer. Yeah, Well, we all do. That's a good thing for people to know. Life is very short. Enjoy it. You know, when you have a train wreck like I did... <laughs> You know I, I i i'm always i would say with mel brooks once said relax none of us are getting out of here alive." well so i'm going I'm I'm to my... circle
0: back in closing to your train work comment i want to say again yeah. i want to point this out for people who are listening um we all make mistakes anybody who thinks they don't mistake make mistakes is full of shit. you're you've been redeemed you and a lot of other people by the way you know you saw the really the secret. the you know, the errors of your ways or whatever. And you, you, you shifted gears, you condemned the condemnable, uh, you've been vocal about it. You are, I see you. I mean, look, you, if you follow me on Twitter and know my stuff, like I don't kiss anybody's ass. I don't throw smoke up anybody's ass. No,
1: I, I, yeah. And I so you, when I say to you, you're an, right you're an honest guy,
0: you're an honest guy and you speak honestly. And I think that's why in hindsight now, after six years, people do. Uh, appreciate what you've done, respect you and what you say, um, because it is refreshing in a way when someone is so honest that they can get themselves into trouble, okay? We don't have a lot of those people, especially today in the Republican Party and in politics and in the media. So I I personally appreciate you and what you've done, and I want you to keep doing it.
1: Well, it's very sweet of you. And I totally appreciate what you're saying. And I have a lot of respect for you. And yes, I do follow you, which is why when you reached out to me, I was like, yeah, I'm ready to go. And uh, I was supposed to be off. Boy, today, what a mistake that was, said, huh? Yeah. My <laughs> assistant said, you know, you sure you want to do this? You're supposed to be off today. I said, no, I, I definitely want to do this. So well, I appreciate, I appreciate it. you bringing me on.
0: And I hope and, you'll uh, do it again Sean, because it was a lot of fun. Sean,
1: try to convince your father to buy a little bit of Bitcoin and Ethereum. <laughs> I got a couple I of other things on the, the list world. before
0: that. <laughs> all right yeah, he's he's, what do you say? he's shot shot out of no the shortage list? no shortage of sean uh in his list of things to convince me to spend money on so uh right, we'll good. just add that to the list uh mooch anthony thank you so good. much for coming on you've been great to be and here. uh i hope you do it again all
1: right anytime take great care. to be here have a great weekend you all too. right god bless guys. take all care right, bye-bye
0: so there you have it episode 13 in the can We'd love to hear your thoughts, so leave us a message at 845-307-7446 or email us at backroomandy at gmail.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Andy Ostroy. And if you listen to this podcast, please leave a review. It's very important to get reviews. Uh, so thank you, Maddie Rosenberg, Jen Hamoud, Cricket Langell, Andy Hollander, Sean Ostroy. And a big thank you once again to our terrific guest, the Mooch, Anthony Scaramucci. So keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards. And we hope you'll join us again next time. Have a great week.